This is a more than just podcast production. So hey everybody, welcome to episode 365 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California. Hello. Home of the WWDC. That's right. Well, sort of, sort of. Not, actually, not really. It's it's Cupertino. Yeah. Which, granted, is almost right next door, but it's not San Jose, technically. Yeah. Isn't there, is there like a road that divides San Jose from Cupertino? Like, is there like a... Well, there's a town. Uh, actually, oh, you know, you're right. Uh, San, San Jose is very strangely shaped, and there is one section of San Jose that does kind of reach out to the west and does touch Cupertino. But but from you know, if you're going from downtown, you go through Santa Clara first, then you go through uh, Sunnyvale, and then you'll hit Santa Clara, more or less. Sorry, from where to where? From San Jose, downtown San Jose. Yeah. You can, if you just sort of go drive directly west there's a couple right. of towns you'll go through first but if you take if you go down around sort of the leg of san jose that sticks out to the west yeah. uh-huh. then you can cross directly into cupertino yeah i remember i went to a, i went to an enterprise design thing at apple once and i think i think i forget what we i think you knew which building it was but it was mm-hmm. um like an old hp building or something like that but it was it was actually the address was actually in san jose but it was just just, just up the road from yeah yeah. From Cupertino. Right? It's all so, very close. Yeah. San Jose, yeah. Cupertino, Sunnyvale, Santa Clara, even Mount well, as, as you drive down as you drive down from San Francisco to San Jose, isn't it like yeah. a solid block of like one city after another, like Red Redwood City and Mountain View and Palo Alto? Aren't they all kind of like connected? More or less, yeah. It, it depends which freeway you take. If you take the one oh one or Sorry, just take 101 because I'm not from Southern California. <laughs> just take 101. Uh, then it is kind of the the cities are right up against each other. If you take 280, technically they still are. I don't think there's a lot of like unincorporated land in between them, but there's a little bit more space out there. It's not right, yeah. it's not like populated the whole way on the west side. 280 is the one that kind of goes up the west side of the peninsula. Yeah, and more greenery, like you see more trees yep. and stuff like that. Less less industrial kind of highway kind of buildings right right exactly yeah yeah cool cool well yeah i I don't know if like you know i got one of my one of my picks in here i don't know if you've seen it or not but there's this really cool app i'm gonna skip ahead to that right now called flirt flighty i don't know if you've seen it um but somebody's created a i think he created a like a sort of a build or patch onto it or like a group onto it called which basically shows all the people flying into wwc front like at flighty's like a a flight tracking app right Hmm. And he's made this this view, and you can see everybody that's going to San San Jose from wherever they're going. Like you see, like the flight path, um, and uh, yeah. So there's like 207 fl- as of right now. There's 207, 145 attendees have put their information into this app, right? 200, 207 flights, um, you know, from 88 airports, 33 countries, including Toronto, of course, and some Seattle, I guess. But yeah, and you, if you click on it, you can actually see people who put their like alias in there, so you can see like who the who the people are that are flying in, which is kind of cool. It's a neat neat little sort of um, app for uh, for um, you know people going to WWC. Like it's kind of like those you know beacon apps we used to have back in the day when for conferences and stuff like that. So that's cool. So that's flighty.app. and then I think 
I'm actually, I, I, I looked at, I looked at that and I'm actually amazed yeah. how many people are traveling so far for a, a remote WWC. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's one day on site, right. But that's just the keynote, you know, you just yeah. you can watch that in, in, uh, online. Yeah. So I, I just don't, I kind of don't get it. I don't get why people go to so much trouble and expense for, for this. It's not like you're there in person. I, I don't know. But uh, there's a lot of events going on. I think there there actually is a Tuesday thing happening at Apple, right? And I'm just looking it up here. Yeah, because cause if you have a ticket, there's like, uh, if you do apple.com slash developer, you'll land on the site. So there's the keynote on the 5th at 10 a.m. PT. Mm-hmm. You're in daylight savings time, right? PDT. Yep. Um, Design awards are at 6.30. Wait, is that right? Yes. Oh, so they're after, after yep. the State of the Union, I guess, right? Oh, State of the Union is at one thirty. Sorry. Right. Oh, not at two p.m. Oh, interesting. Used to be at two p.m. all the time. I have to change mm-hmm. my calendar because we're going to watch it from remote. And then there's something to do with. I thought there was an event after, like a developer center thing or something for people. You have to have it. Well, you have a ticket, right? Yes, I do. What do you What do you see when you go into the when you log in? Because it's uh, beyond WWC link here. Okay, let me check that beyond. WBC. Well, that no, that's I think that's for like like you know things like we're doing the Ray Warner like live podcast on after on an evening. Um, no, I thought if you went to special, I don't event, really see anything special here. Special event at Apple Park, June fifth. Oh, oh you know what? Page. I'm yeah. My ticket is with my work email, and I'm not on my work machine, so oh, I don't see anything special. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll check later. Yeah, because I, th- I do believe, because one of my guys was going and I was sending him stuff that I found throughout the last couple of weeks. Um, but one of them was like a, oh, Tom, Paul Hudson tweeted about it. That's where I can get it from. You can look too, Jaime. <laughs> I'm looking at developer.apple.com WWDC 23 beyond hyphen WWDC, or if you go in the upper right hand corner, uh, you yeah. can find it there too. And there's a mishmash of stuff all over the world. And I'm trying to figure out what, what you might be thinking about. Yeah. These all look like more uh, community events like uh, Copenhagen, um, Tokyo, uh, Helsinki, Istanbul, uh, James Dempsey and the Breakpoints Live in person uh, somewhere in California, June 7th. <laughs> it's kind of funny yeah. how to put that. Oh, is it on that site? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the talk show with John Gruber. Yeah. Uh, Ottawa. Uh, By the way, these things were Australia. This, I'm trying to get this episode out before the, on the weekend, right? So. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're going your way down to WWC, if you haven't already, you know, booked for these spots, it's going to be uh, tough to get into them. So as we're rattling them off, you should be applying for tickets, like the break, like the breakpoints and uh, the talk. The talk show is probably sold out by now. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Tuesday. Okay, so Tuesday. Yes, there's a special event on Tuesday the sixth, Mark, at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 6 p.m. at special event at Apple Park Developer Center. And then there's a dub dub climb if you're into climbing. I don't know. Is there any mountains to climb near Cupertino there, Mark? Sure, um, there are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd call them mountains, but there's, you know, there's tall hills. There's yeah. mountains uh, kind of between here and the coast. Yeah, and there's right. there's mountains east, too. There, yeah, there's mountains all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, so there's the Core Coffee um, meetup. Um, that's I think that's there's probably like one or two tickets left for that. That's with Mellon and... Uh, Kai from Vancouver, um, and there is the iOS Dev Happy Hour in real life, which is uh, something a lot of us go to. And then there's Student Swifts, which is another thing. And then on Wednesday, another Dub Dub Climb, 
uh, WWDC Community Open Space. Uh, another core coffee meetup. Ooh, part two, part three, it says. So there must be a one on the weekend, maybe. Um, and then they're doing the talk show on the, at 5 p.m. on Wednesday the 7th, and then James Dempsey and the Breakpoints are after that. So, um, oh, and there's another, another uh, WWDC meetup with Core Coffee. So, yeah, cool. Oh, and there's also, on, on Saturday, there's the Dub Dub Pub Quiz 2023 edition, right? Oh, so if you're there on Sunday at 1.30 to 3 p.m., there's a Core Coffee meetup. And then there's the check-in at uh, Apple, at Infinity, or Games at Infinity Loop, it says here. Hmm. Requires WWTC ticket, so yeah, and that's at Infinite Infinite Loop, which is the old old head headquarters. That's right? the old one, yeah, yep. yeah. And then Revenue Cat uh, pre WWC Barcade Bash. That's on six p.m. on Sunday as well, and that's the one that Paul. If you listen to the previous episode, Paul said he's going to be at that one. Paul Hudson's going to be in the in the area for a week as well. So people do come down, Mark. I don't know, you know, it's kind of. It's, I guess it's just community. They just want to hang out, right? I guess, yeah, yeah. And there's a hackathon on Saturday, Sunday on the 10th, 10th and 11th. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we've, we've talked about this before being here, you know, in, in Silicon Valley, it's the, the magic of, you know, Apple and all that is a little bit less than if you're from somewhere else and, and you, you know, you're coming, you're coming in from out of town. So I don't know. I see iOS developers all every day. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can spot them. You know, for those of, for those of us from every time, it's hard to spot, right? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole area. I mean, oh, I, it's funny because I remember I was I was thinking about this. You know, when I first started, you know, I had my first iPhone, and I would go to like MacWorlds, and I would go to, um, you know, WWDC even. Um, just walking around the city, I would expect everybody's walking to be walking around with a BlackBerry or an iPhone or something, and and there was like nobody, like they're walking their dogs, riding their bikes, and whatever. And it wasn't until you went to like an actual like a developer event where you saw people had devices, right? So, well, back then you couldn't walk around with your device because someone would steal it. True, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. or even your iPod if they saw you had the white white yeah. earbuds, right, with the yep. cord. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're gathered here to do our usual. Oh, before we do that, we actually have uh, an Ask MTJC, uh, Jaime, and it's from Mastodon, wow. the site that you're not on. Um, yeah, so Geo Freeman uh, on Mastodon asked, and this is a question for all of us, what would you do with 96 gigabytes of unified memory? And I think that had to do with the new architecture. I can't remember what that's about. Is that from... current of Apple Silicon, or is this um, rumored and proposed? I'm a little... No, I of... think this was... The, this, maybe it was a configuration of... What did we do on... This is for, going back four months, right? So... What? Because I never, th- I never thought to look on Mastodon for Ask MTJC. But um, what did we talk about? Um, Looks like it's a MacBook Pro, ninety-six gigabytes of unified RAM in the MacBook Pro M2 Max from four months ago. Yeah, according to Reddit. <laughs> yeah. So MacBook Pro. So this is the M2 one, right? Ultra Max. Apple.com. Let's go there. Well, I think there's sort of two obvious answers. Video processing and 3D rendering. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, maybe some like neural network training kind of stuff. I don't know. If, I don't know if that needs a lot of memory. I mean, I guess you could have a bigger, a bigger uh, neural network if with more memory. But that's more. I mean, that's that's more just number crunching a lot of you know over time rather than using a lot of memory. But definitely, yeah, the video processing and 3D rendering stuff for sure. 
Now, you know, it's only 800 gigabytes for, for 96 gigabytes of unified memory. That's $800, right? So that's not a, did I say 800? 800? 800. Um, yeah, it's only $800 for 96 gigabytes of unified memory. So, and plus, and, and, but, you know, I guess you'd want to have a bigger than a one terabyte storage. You can go to eight terabytes of storage and that, this is the MacBook Pro 16. I have a question though. Wouldn't, like, RAM wouldn't, wouldn't that heat up when it's being used? RAM is non-volatile. Yeah. So it doesn't. Oh, so, so it doesn't. Not gonna, yeah. So why does why do CPUs get hot then when GPUs? Well, so the CPUs and GPUs are are crunching all the time. You know, they're 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 doing stuff all the time. RAM, you set a value and then it just kind of sits there, sort of passively, and it takes a very very tiny amount of current or power to just keep it alive. But if you don't, if you're not actually writing to the RAM or reading from the RAM, it takes very, very little power because it's, because nothing's happening. The, the power usage comes from when you transition from a zero to one or one to a zero state. That's, that's, that's the beauty of uh, what we call CMOS or complementary MOS technology mm-hmm. is when you're not switching the quiescent power is extremely low, very different from the older like bipolar technologies where there's always current flowing and always power being used. So CMOS, there's, there's, it's, it's only when you switch that you have any significant power usage. So it's very, very, um, very, very low power from memory. Well, I know from, from using scratch memory in Photoshop days, and I think this is true for just about anything you want, where you want to use a scratch um, kind of memory. Um, if you had 96 gigabytes of unified memory, what's that? Uh, what's that divided by four? Because you need four times as much um, data 24. generally. 24. So yeah. So if you had a 24 gigabyte file and you wanted to like manipulate it or whatever, you'd kind of want it. You'd, you'd in theory you would need 96 gigabytes of rem- of memory to to be able to you know you'd have the 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 original file, you'd have the modified version, you'd have some working space, and then you'd have some overhead for the system to do its, its or the program to do its work right so that was a challenge back in the day when we had when we had photoshop when it first came out was you know you constantly running out of memory or it would use your hard drive for scratch disk right mm-hmm. um and back then you know like I, back in the early days like in i'm talking like 2000s and around there i guess there were there were ram cards you could buy like and they called them ram disks right which basically were like a new bus card that had like a chunk of RAM on. I don't even, can't even remember how, and it would have been in megabytes, not in gigabytes, right? But um, people used to, like you, people would even run their system on there just for performance, right? <laughs> Compared to like the old yeah, mechanical cause, hard drive. Cause right? really, well, we're a little bit spoiled these days because we have SSDs, which are much, much, much faster. But yeah, the hard drives are ridiculously slow to read and write from. So if you're, if you're doing any kind of, of heavy, IO kind of work, which a lot of stuff is, you know, if you're, if you're saving stuff to quote, saving the disc, uh, then if you were doing that from a, uh, to and from a hard drive, it would be really, really, really slow. So what they do is basically they pretend that this chunk of Ram is the hard disc and you do your interact. You know what it's kind of analogous to? It's kind of analogous to a context managed object context in core data. Where you have this kind of scratch pad area where you you do all your reads and writes uh, into this scratch pad, this context area, and then with some frequency you actually write it to the disk, quote the disk, mm-hmm. because that's a much slower process. Core data does it for different reasons, but but it's an analogy. 
Cool. Well, I think that, does that answer the question? Do, do we think satisfactorily in terms of what you would do with 96 gigabytes of unified memory besides spend your money on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, it just goes by leaps and bounds, right? Like right now, let me just identify what's on my screen. So zoom to... Uh, two browser instances of Chrome, each of which has several tabs. I have your different document folders open. I have QuickTime open. I have the, I'm looking at my audio right now, input level from the settings app. Looks like Dropbox is running. Uh, what is that? One password uh, and a whole bunch of other things that, you know, you take it back to, I don't know, like DOS or something. Like, hey, you're running this one program. No preemptive multitasking. Yeah. You want to do something else? Change programs, right? Uh, put this one away, put that one back. Like, I think we start adding new things like, you know, on the top end, Mark talked about like training ML models or maybe doing, you know, video rendering, 3D rendering, that sort of thing. And it sort of becomes, yes, right? You can do all those, not this is specifically for rendering or this is specifically for my Apple Music or this is specifically for like the latest season of Ted Lasso or something like, yes, I can do those things all at the same time. In addition to maybe things like interacting with virtual assistants or, um, you know, chat GPT or Bard or maybe something that Apple might come up with. That's kind of the the theme of the, the show today, right? What's what's coming up? So what would you do? Like, oh, you could even do an Xcode build without completely dragging down your your machine <laughs> <laughs> good old xcode and slack and android studio all on the same machine that's what you would need yeah. to do yeah. yeah my money would be that if i'm using logic pro i'd still get a beach ball because lately i, I have i'm using an, an m1 macbook air to edit the edit the show and lately i don't know if it's the os or whatever but lately i'm getting a lot of beach balling when i'm doing some some heavy processing in, in logic pro which is weird. Anyway, just to close out this section on, on the six, 96 gigabytes of unified memory, I am looking at a customizing a 16-inch MacBook Pro Space Gray Apple M2 Max with 12-core CPU, 38-core GPU, 16-core neural engine, 96 gigabytes of unified memory, 8 terabytes of SSD storage, 16-inch liquid retina XDR display, only three Thunderbolt 4 ports, <laughs> uh, uh, HDMI port, uh, an SD slot, hit a, a headphone jack, MagSafe 3 port, comes with a 140-watt USB-C power adapter, backlit keyboard with Touch ID, all of that for $64.99 US. But you know what? Why are we even talking about a paltry 96 <laughs> gigabytes when we've got some r- brand new machines coming out? That'll Do be announced we? in in a week or so. Yeah, in less than a week, four in days. Less than a week. That's right. That's right. Yeah, four days from when we're recording. I just I have a little um, countdown timer running on the on one of my websites. I forget which one, but yeah, I, I took a screenshot of it today and put it on Twitter and got some got some love. But yeah, so moving on, what we're what we're hoping to do today is talk about uh, what what we think is going to come to WWDC. Now, there's been a couple of spoilers already, so. Um, if you're not into spoilers, you know, maybe tune in next week, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, where do we want to start? I mean, there's a few, there's a few, I mean, we, we know that some things are coming for sure. Like we know there's like an, uh, each OS is going to get incremented. We know there's a rumor of some Macs, like you just said, and there's surprise, surprise, there's some sort of new reality OS, right? So where do you want to go? Where do you, how do you guys want to start? Start at the top with the iPad? Well, yeah, so it's, I mean, it sounds like iOS and 
and Mac OS are, this is kind of a, an S year for those, right? So um, it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of new and exciting stuff. There'll be, of course, there'll be lots of updates to, to the, uh, to the there'll core. Be, there'll libraries, be new emojis, Mark. Don't worry. There'll, there'll be, be new emojis, emojis. right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe some new size classes too, but if we're, if we're yeah. lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dream. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, I do hear that there's there's going to be a new a new look and feel to the watch OS. If anyone actually still is paying attention to that, I'm not sure from a developer point of view that many people are. I don't know. Uh, but uh, other than that, and and tvOS, we haven't heard about anything from tvOS in a couple of years, have we? At least no, nothing, but nothing significant. So I, I I got this. I think this is from nine to five Mac order. I got this list that we have in front of us. This bullet bulleted list, but they're lumping TVOS seventeen in with Apple TV and HomePod. So I guess HomePod runs a, a flavor of TVOS. What do you mean they're lumping it in? What does I that feel mean? like it's more like they say there's really nothing that's being added to tvOS, Apple TV, or HomePod from like a technical standpoint, mm-hmm. other than Dolby thingamabob plus plus hdr thingamabob plus plus and then they'll talk about apple tv plus shows which have absolutely nothing to do with that operating system yeah or with that developers. seems to be the pattern yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like hey with tv here's what we got hey thanks bye you know <laughs> um I, I feel like that's why they they lump it together that way but i I don't know what you would do with tvOS unless it's somehow tied into uh, like reality OS or XR OS or iOS, as I like to call it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, oh, I, so it's, well, it's been a minute, but if you've got iPad OS, then the current I with a letter I OS should by all means become iPhone OS because there is no other I device that runs it, right? And then now that you've given up that then i think you say eye os should be the proper name for the oh. reality os xr os whatever they call this uh this supposedly thing yeah but we're going to get all that sort of confusion where people what was it people somebody said today oh they were talking about the new fast and furious everybody calling it fast and furious x like do we go through this with the iphone 10 that the x is 10 Mac OS ten, same uh, same thing. Like, isn't isn't the Fast and Furious movie that's out right now? Isn't that the tenth movie? It is, in fact, in this twenty year franchise. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. I think for for Watch OS, the you know UI changes I think are probably more interesting to me as a user than they are as a, a developer because mm-hmm. uh, I do uh, wear my watch every day. I would guess that Mac OS will get some nice quality of life kinds of things. Um, I I wonder if it will get some some time in the sun with you know Swift UI based goodies to you know start chipping more away at uh, the need for AppKit. Similar, I think for iPadOS and iOS, where uh, I'm really hoping for for Swift UI to just continue to evolve to do cool stuff. And it feels like there's enough people online that I probably agree with to say kind of need um, like core data UI for lack of a better word, to be the the new hotness that replaces what core data is really good at, but lines it all up in a nice cohesive story with the life cycle that SwiftUI has and iCloud and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So immutable, lightweight core data objects, whatever that would be, right? Whatever those mean. Yes. Yeah. 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 Seamlessly, you know, works offline by default and syncs to the cloud as 
you know, just like turning the, the tap on the water tap, just, it just works. And, and you only really notice it when the plumbing breaks kind of thing. And of course they'll let you extend it in some way when you need to do something really fancy and special, but it would be kind of nice to just, you know, take all of the goodness that it does and just make it work all the way through with like, you know, look at all these other things. Like we've talked about combined, we've talked about async await, we've talked about, uh, uh, actors and a bazillion other things. And it's, it's cool. It's great, but it's this, um, not truly unified story that makes it really easy to be like, if you are starting today, thanks for joining the club. Thanks for joining your first WWDC. Here's what you should do. Just right out of the box. Now, one thing that's potentially pretty big on the iPhone side, not specifically about iOS, the operating system, but uh, with the app store is that it looks like they're going to allow, allow side loading yeah, of apps, right. which we've known has been coming for a long time. This has been, there was a, a, a court ruling in the EU, I think. Uh, I mean, I want, I want to say a year ago. I got yeah. a link there and below somewhere. Yeah. So I have mixed feelings about this one. Uh, you know, I was never really all that opposed to the walled garden and, and Apple having protection. And, and I never really thought the 30% cut was all that unreasonable. When you think about how much you'd have to spend to either have your own storefront or, or, you know, remember when we used to sell software in cardboard boxes, shrink wrapped in a, in a physical store, uh, that you'd pay a lot more than 30% there. So. Uh, I don't know. I think I think people are maybe a little bit spoiled and and uh, you know don't want to maybe recognize how easy it's made Apple to, uh, or rather, how easy Apple has made it for developers to be in business uh, and even to just exist. So anyway, so the world is changing. Uh, don't know how it's going to look in a year or two years or ten years, but yeah, we'll see. It's a new world. Well, hopefully it's not the end of, I mean, because, you know, I mean, you could, you could say that people wanted a new Twitter and guess what? We got one, right? You know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, be careful what you wish for is the, the, the advice I'm trying to put out well, here, you know? Yeah, that's right. You're saying that it's, that this is not a positive thing. This is a negative thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Or at the very least, you know, uh, better the devil I know than the one I don't. Right. Right. Yeah, you know how we've known how to work around the the issues today, and, and what happens in a side loading world, what happens in a alternative payment methods world. Um, been wishing for that for a long time, and, and and to your point, like what does that cause? Yeah, well, I mean, all these payment gateways that we used to have to deal with. And I'm thinking back, you know, back in the web days, you know, when I, before before iOS came along as something for us to develop on. You know, there was, there's all kinds of bad actors out there. I mean, there still are, I mean, there's, you know, there still are people snooping our networks and, and, you know, trying to hack in or break into our stuff. But, um, you know, there were a, like payment gateways. It was Kaji. There was, you know, like all you know, credit card uh, takers, you know, had really bad gateways for you to, to try and, I mean, I, I can't remember a good one. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they were all they were all b- a bad lot right and and depending on how you set it up it was always challenging and painful and the user flow was horrible and i mean the one thing that i've always liked about apple in general and especially like the macintosh is that you know because they had the one sort of um you know user you, you know the human interface guidelines you know on how you set up menus and 
you know, there's always an edit menu. There's always a window menu, right? There's always a help menu, right? Um, and the same thing, they've, they've sort of translated that into what we do on iOS now, right? And if we take away some of these sort of um, common sense in a lot of ways, you know, safeguards that Apple's put in place, like, you know, um, I, like, like you said, Mark, having written or tried to write store fronts in the past, you know, before Apple came along, I mean, as soon as Steve Jobs got up and, and, uh, you know, said, Hey, we're going to open this Apple store and we're going to set everything up for you. I went, I punched the, the, the air and said, yes, you know, <laughs> I was so happy to have that taken away from me as a responsibility, right. Or challenge. Right. So, I mean, you know, side and side loading has always been a challenge. Like you know, we used to, do, we used to get people side loading apps at, at the office all the time. And, you know, if you only, like, we only had like a hundred, um, iPhone, uh, devices and, and people were con- like designers and stuff that were side loading and using up our accounts. And, you know, plus you never know what somebody's got on their phone and, or where they got it from or what, you know, build it is. And, in you know, there's also the security angle, like they're walking out the door with, with beta code. Um, that's sort of a, like, a, I realize that's a developer centric approach to it but you know i don't like it's bad enough with what's going on in the world i don't want my my mom calling me up or your dad your dad mark calling you up and saying hey i got this side loaded app from something and now my phone's blowing up right you know yep so they kind of protect us from ourselves i think in a lot of ways yeah so i guess what around the table here we're all opposed to side loading (laughs) (laughs) uh the the thing i worry about is that ignoring the developer side that I think you you covered quite well in the sort of uh, customer support side, looking at mm-hmm. the sort of larger societal effects. Yeah. Um, you know, your average app that would normally be on the app store from an indie dev is like not normally going to be able to convince people to go through the hassle of sideloading. So you'll probably by default have most of those users end up using nice, safe stuff from the app store. What concerns me is some of these uh, larger ones like a TikTok or a Facebook, a Twitter, just, just pick them. The established ones is like, yeah, actually you get this cool thing, this, you know, this nice carrot we're going to dangle in front of you. Just go side load this thing. Also, it completely destroyed <laughs> your privacy or stole all your credit cards or, uh, you know, took nude photos of you, whatever it is that, that could be, uh, you know, the nefarious things that the app store was ostensibly protecting against end up becoming uh, real lucrative for, you know, nefarious evildoers. And I'm not picking on those in particular to say that they would. I'm more concerned that they could or they cannot today. Yeah. Hey, kids, it's a new Huawei app, you know, <laughs> install this and you become a, a drone for the Chinese government, right? <laughs> yeah. No offense, yeah. no offense to China, of course, but yeah, it just, just one of those sorts of things where it's like, you know, is for all of the, the flaws that the, the app store system might've had from a, uh, you know, pick your sort of favorite thing that people will complain about. Yeah. Is it sort of a, a, a you know, better sort of situation than you would have if you truly did remove those guardrails. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in Picard season four, the Borg take over the world by getting people to sideload an app, right? (laughs) (laughs) Spoilers. (laughs) It writes itself, Mark. It's got to be the Borg and it's got to (laughs) be. 
them taking over the world again, or taking over the Federation, I guess. Well, we've got more worried worries about uh, ChatGPT than the Borg right now. That's true. Well, the Borg is ChatGPT. Well, that's right? true. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, cool. So what do we think about? So Mac OS 14, we're not really, like, what could they possibly stage manager version 2? I don't know what another try at that one. Um what can they, what can we what do, what do we expect on on the Mac other than some cool new widgety thing um in the maps or in in uh the mail app or something right photos I mean, on... you know what the uh the folks in Redmond are doing is they're they're taking their investments in OpenAI the company right. and the ChatGPT product and they're bolting it right into the operating system uh, it's a little panel that will run on the side and contextually understand what you're doing and say, oh, are you, it's kind of like, you know, Clippy 2.0, right? It's like, oh, it looks like you're in Microsoft Word. I can help you write that resume, right? Uh, oh, you, yeah, I can turn this, uh, you know, set of meaning notes into PowerPoint slides. And Google's doing something kind of similar-ish when it comes to, you know, using Google Workspace, Google Docs, Google Search, and et cetera. Will Apple do that sort of thing eventually? I I think they will. I just don't think it's this year. And I'd I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to have uh, Siri GPT uh, do you know way more cool things. Um, especially because the integration sort of top to bottom is way better in the Apple ecosystem than any other ecosystem out there. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think it would happen? Because that's that you're right. That's a really good point. Is the the GPT sort of side of everyone wondering what Apple's going to do. We're not really talking about it much. We're not really reading about it, but I'm sure that if they don't do something related to what I'm going to do air quotes here and call it AI, um, then, because I mean, like maybe in the photo, I mean, they already do, I think they are doing some machine learning in the photos app because I know the, the photos app gets smarter every time I update my phone. Right. Um, and like it finding things and, and, you know, like the other day I was walking along the dog with the dog and I had my camera open and it, it, created a box around Mac and said, look, it's a dog. And I went, no, yes, it is a dog. Thank you very much, phone, for telling me that. But, um, like, what do you think would, like, because, like you said, Microsoft has bought this this um, Edge thing. And and Mark Moykins that we talked about, I talked about a, on a couple of episodes ago, he talked about how he was trying the, the Edge beta browser, and it had the chat GPT in the side, and he was asking it to show him how to use a certain framework that was not documented, right? Um, he had to tweak it a little bit. He had to, you know, prompt it, obviously, which is what the, I think, it's, I don't know if the P is prompt, but you have to, it's prompt programming, basically. And he corrected it, and he finally got it to write some decent code for him, right? So, and he did that right inside, I think he was using Visual Studio Code or something like that, but um, do you think Apple will, there will be like a panel in Xcode or something, or what do you think Apple will do, or or, or do they need to, they really need to do something AI-ish? I kind of don't think Apple will do that kind of thing. It's not their style thing. I could be wrong, but it's not their kind of thing. Um, I mean, first of all, AI is, it's not AI, right? None of this it's is not intelligence. artificial intelligence. Right. Yeah, that's why I did the air quotes. Yeah. Right. Uh, I couldn't see you do the air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke, I spoke the air quotes. I spoke the air quotes. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, ChatGPT and, and all the, all the stuff gets, gets a lot of hype and it is an important thing, but it, I think it's getting more hype than it really deserves right now. Uh, cause this is not a, how do I say this? Um, I mean, these large language, you know, models, 
they've been around for a long time. They've just gotten really better, a lot better. And, and yeah, and maybe their hockey sticking up in, in the quality, but it's not like a revolutionary thing. It's not like they've, you know, they've become sentient and come alive, right? It's not, they haven't, it's just, they've just become really good at pretending to be something that actually communicates. It doesn't really communicate now. Yeah. A lot of people are talking about using it as a tool for, for like, for, for writing code. Um, where you just you like GitHub has that thing, but but I'm hearing people are getting mixed results for, with that, right? There are people, you know, you hear if if you ask it to do a very specific small thing, it can do it, yeah. But but you get this hallucination problem where it just comes up with something that just completely doesn't apply to what you're doing, uh, and so for that reason, I don't think Apple would build that into Xcode because it would look bad, right? If Xcode is giving you the wrong stuff, giving you bad stuff. And and Apple is the platform, is the ecosystem. Then that looks bad. It's 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 a whole different story if if you know ChatGPT or OpenAI does it. They're not you know they're not the ones who are you know behind the whole platform and propping up holding up the platform. Well, speaking of improvements, like last year they came out with um, I think it was last year they came out with the Swift Playgrounds, which would Swift Playgrounds four, I believe. Um, you can use it to actually author an entire app, right? And publish it to the App Store. I mean, do you think that mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not going to go out on a limb and say I think we'll probably get an upgrade to that in terms of like what what it could do, right? Like maybe maybe it'll be able to roll in some of these frameworks that we're talking about that it doesn't do. I don't believe that. It, I don't think we ever checked it, but I don't think it does core data, for example, right? And uh, yeah, and it doesn't do. It can't do third party frameworks at all, as far as I know, can, right? Yeah, I wonder if we can do. Swift well, package maybe it can do Swift package. That I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, so because I mean, that's the thing is, and you know, it, it's it's generally speaking, Swift UI, right? So, um, uh, well, it's Swift, I guess. I don't know. I've, I've played around with it a little bit, but I haven't, I haven't touched it in months. But, um, well, that's the problem. I, you know, I kind of wonder if that many people really are using it, right? It was it a novelty? Yeah, they came up with this thing, and it was kind of cool. People played with it, and maybe it's good for learning for beginners, but. You know, is is anyone reusing it for real production stuff? I, I don't know. I, I, I wonder. I, I, I kind of doubt it. I don't, but maybe. Yeah. What else did we get? Like, last year we got charts. We got Swift charts. What do you think? Oh, we got charts. Do? Yeah. We got the Swift charts thing. And that was pretty cool. I, again, I, another thing I tried for a little bit and never really got off, for me, never got off the ground. Although, you know, I work in a company now where, where you know, we chart everything all the time, right? But, um, yeah, I kind of wonder, like, maybe what where could they take that? What, yeah. What's missing? Pie charts or something? Well, there's, I don't know. Oh, there's, there's a ton of things missing from charts. Charts was not a very complete charting library at all. Uh, it could do some things, and it did those pretty well, but but it could not do any really sophisticated, highly complicated charts. So so if they care about that, I don't know. I, I, I kind of don't expect they'll do that much with that because really what that was what i feel like i'm being negative about everything here but but what that was was they had this um i forget was it research kit or whatever it was it was some one of their one of their other frameworks that used the charts so they they made charts available to everyone because they you know they had to build this technology anyway uh but but was it really that big of a thing? I mean, how many people, certainly plenty of people put charts in, in apps, but compared to how many apps are out there, are there that many charts? Was it really that big of a thing? It kind of, I remember being surprised last year about how big a deal they were making out of charts when it's just a charts library. I mean, you know. Yeah. 
Well, I guess yeah, it's 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 got the magic appeal to it, I guess, right? So yeah. Well, let, yeah. let's let's uh, let's switch gears here and talk about the hardware that's supposed to be coming. Like, mm-hmm. um, they're talking about an Apple Silicon Mac Pro. I think the Mac Pro is the last machine right now that's still running Intel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they're talking about it's going to be like an M2 Ultra. I don't or, or an M3. M3. I thought they. I saw something about an M3. Are we getting M3s this time around? I don't know. We're getting well, end of the year or something like that. I heard. I, I don't know. Didn't they? They've been announcing the new chip at WWDC, right? Didn't they announce the M2 at last year's WWDC? They did, yeah. But but I heard I had had heard in, from the rumor mill that M3 is coming later oh, this year or, or okay. early next year. Yeah, I don't know. Let me just see if I can get. But anyway, so yeah, I think the one like uh, my point was that the the currently the the most expensive Mac on the on the the docket is still running Intel, and so it's the last one to sort of get it. And according to Mark Gurman, it's going to be an M2 Ultra chip mm. in this thing with 96 gigabytes of unified memory, probably right, yeah. <laughs> or more. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if you're going to uh, make a Pro machine, you're going to want more than 96. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but apparently, uh, according to this this thing here, not the RAM's not going to be upgradable, right? This, it's just a paragraph here. Um, likely, and will not feature user upgradable RAM. I guess that's probably because it's tied to the M2 uh, chip. That's kind of the way the Apple Silicon's are running well, these days, right? Yeah, we haven't had user upgradable RAM for years. Yeah, true. So yeah, the big cheese grater uh, is going to hopefully see an upgrade because we got the studio. Um, you know the last year and then the new one that they're talking about and i don't personally as i love the macbook air it's the my format of choice i like the 13 inch size my wife has still has the 11 inch that she uses occasionally um but they're talking about a 15 inch macbook air um i guess it kind of competes it's i guess it's a price point lower than the 14 I don't understand why you would need this. And and again, if it doesn't have four USB ports, because my one complaint about my M1 MacBook Air is I've only got two USBs, and I'm constantly looking for a third port. Um, so what do you guys think about a MacBook Air? Like, what could they possibly do to make that worth? I mean, I guess it's a consumer-level device. Is that why? You mean, why would they make a 15-inch as opposed to, what, the existing one? Just a, you know, a, a bigger screen and light. You know, people still like big screens. True, that's true. Yeah, I guess I guess for but I guess yeah, it's not a pro machine. It's not that that heavy base, and I guess it gives them more space for battery, according to this article here, which will give the give it a little bit more time, a little bit more um, uh, runtime, right, on the battery. Mm-hmm. You're watching video and stuff. So but anyway, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't think we're getting any other pros like the Mac Pros, MacBook Pros, and who knows what kind of iMac we're gonna get? Maybe a polka dot iMac this year. <laughs> Or new, 27 inches. A lot of people are asking for 27 inches, like you said, right? I'm going to go out on a limb and predict a 27 inch iMac. <laughs> All right. That's my prediction. Uh, my out of the blue prediction. Okay. So the elephant in the room is two things. One is this was leaked like uh, weeks ago, months ago. XROS, which is the Reality Pro device that we're talking about and an XROS. And and this article came out today that I got linked in the show notes about um, the specs. I mean, not that the, the specs really never really mean much at Apple because uh, they always have some sort of way of surprising and delighting us beyond the specifications. But they're saying micro LED screen technology. They're saying a, it's a 1.1, 1.4 inch display, I guess two of them possibly. 
400 pixels per inch and 5,000 nits of brightness, which is almost like daylight. Um, and I guess you wear it on your face, and it's your 3D VR, UAR headset of some type, right? Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how how much is it is it VR is it AR? I mean, uh, and how much does it cost? I think is the the key 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 thing here. Yeah. Because you can buy how much does a Oculus cost now? Five hundred bucks, maybe. Well, it says Quest Two and Quest Pro. I don't know what those. Maybe Jaime can help me out with it. But so there's three forty nine and two two nine ninety nine for mm-hmm. is Quest Two a Oculus, Jaime? I... Are you there? I'm trying to remember how they changed branding. Oculus Quest Store. So I believe, yeah. Okay, I just went over to Amazon and it takes me to Oculus Go, Oculus Quest Two, Oculus Rift. Or a quick store. Meta, Meta. Oh, Meta Quest Pro. So Meta's device is the Quest Pro, and Quest Two is does Meta own Oculus? They do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. They're calling some some places are calling it. There's Oculus Quest All in One VR. There's Quest Two Elite Strap for enhanced support. Blah blah blah. And then of course there's the PlayStation One, right? <laughs> yeah. It's I mean interesting to see what 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 it's going to look like and what it's going to do. So. Yeah, the fact that it's taken so long to come out sets the bar pretty high. I think so. This thing. It better be awesome for the amount of time it's taken and the premium price they're going to charge. It better be awesome. But maybe it is. Maybe that's why it's taken so long. They didn't want to release it until they had something that really was awesome. Kind of the old Steve Jobs approach. So that's an interesting thing. I was talking about this with some colleagues at work. They were surprised to, to hear the $3,000 estimated cost, which is what everybody's saying. But I mean, I kind of wonder like, if Apple's going to pull a fast one. They've done this to us before, where, where we're expecting somebody to come in at a really high price. And then they say 749 for the 4 gig model, you know? Yeah. Starting at, right? So do you think it's going to land at $3,000 or? I don't know. They got to be realistic. I mean, the, you know, with, with I mean, the technology. All, yeah. I mean, the, with the competition that's out there and people are feeling, you know, their pocketbooks are kind of tight these days. A lot of people. So I don't, I don't know. Hmm. What do you think, Jaime? I am one of those people who kind of wonders if the, um, the $3,000 mark, uh, price mark is, um, in another iPad. If like, it's going to be a bazillion dollars. Oh, 499, you know, um, I'm not saying it's going to be as low 499, uh, 499, but if you're mentally anchored on a price point of 3000, cause that's what the interwebs have been saying for months, and then it comes out at fifteen hundred. Suddenly, it feels like half off, right? It's still yeah, pretty true. pricey. True. It's still very substantial, but it suddenly feels a lot cheaper than it, uh, less expensive than it was. So it's interesting. Why are they talking about iPhone seventeen and iPhone sixteen? Or we're on iPhone fourteen now, right? iOS seventeen. No, it's. A, I'm looking at this article here from Nine oh. Five Mac talking about iPhone sixteen Pro and sixteen Pro Max. Talking about screens. Is it because they're uh, talking way out in the future? If like, sure, the, the new device is about to come out, but the year after that, yeah. yeah. Um, if if those same people that want side loaded Mac apps uh, read this article, they're not going to buy a phone this year. They'll wait for the sixteen to come out. You know, <laughs> oh, fifteen Pro Max and sixteen Ultra. They're calling it. I guess that's the prediction. And it's going to be a sixteen six point nine inch screen versus a six point seven inch Pro Max. So is that the big the big uh, Screen size now? I've lost track of screen sizes, to be honest with you. Yeah, I have two. We need more size classes, damn it. Yeah. 
Um, okay. And the one they're talking about iPhone 17 already, too. Like, holy cow. Why would you buy a phone this year? Interesting. I mean, the, the problem with some of these uh, future prognostications is Apple might be legitimately testing out something interesting. Like, it's got a foldable screen and you can make origami out of it, you know, kind of thing <laughs> uh, that never actually ships. And they could also be doing things that are like, hey, remember how USB C is like five years ago? <laughs> Probably the iPhone, and it may actually happen this year, but maybe not as well. Oh, USB on the phone, wow. Apple has big plans for display technology used in upcoming iPhone models, according to a new roadmap shared by analyst Ross Young. So they're talking about, yeah. Oh, that's at least a year away then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. Wow, the rumor, rumor mill is really firing up, uh, really. Speaking of rumor mills, did you guys hear the story about the how Apple caught the one of their leakers. Oh, I the heard one something where about that. the sibling uh, accidentally yeah. outed their sister, I think. Sibling yeah, they fed they fed somebody some false information to to narrow down on who was the leaker and and sure enough, within like a day or so of the information being handed to this person, their sibling published it. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. So they were sent packing. Yeah. Oops. Ending your sibling's career for the clicks. Well, yeah, no, kind of. You kind of wonder what what do you put on your resume if you're that person and you want to find your next job, right? I'm the uh, welcome to Burger King's drive through. Can I take your order, yeah, please? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So don't think I have in the notes here, and I wasn't sure if I put this here or Jaime or you put this, but the high yield Apple high yield savings account. I don't think did we talk about that? Did that come up after the last show? What would you like to know about it, Tim? I, I know nothing about it because I live in Canada. We don't have these fancy, you know, Canada, so tech things. Before, Canada. your Apple card used to be connected to an Apple Cash account, which uh, mm-hmm. was was nice. You know, you could uh, say, hey, so it's like you a know, wallet kind of idea. Gonna, yeah, like a, a little little source of funds, a little pocket of money. You could say, hey, I'd like to send somebody a dollar or I'd like to ask somebody to, to send me some money. But it never really earned any interesting sort of, you know, uh, interest. Uh, the new Apple card is, sorry, the Apple high yield savings account has a 4.15% APY. Um, I'm not going to call it the absolute top tier, but it's, it's pretty up there, especially at the time it released. There's others who have tried to follow suit and, and be higher, um, but it's connected to your Apple card. So now you can, um, it took like 30 seconds to sign up for this thing. Uh, it was super easy to to enroll. One click or one tap, transfer your your funds from your Apple Cash account over to the savings account. Mm-hmm. And we see a little a little nice thing here that goes up and to the right. So like, you know, same sort of things of uh, 1% if you swipe your physical titanium card, 2% if you use Apple Pay through um, like your phone or your watch and 3% if you are doing things that are special partners like uh, Uber and uh, Nike, Panera, that sort of stuff. Or uh, sort of Apple the, itself. Any money you spend Apple, Apple you get 3%. Yeah. Mm. And then you'll get weird random things like uh, I think it's over now, but there was a promotion for like 6% off uh, with Nike uh, oh, actually, there's a promotion right now. Share up to $125 with your family. So Apple Card Family lets you add up to five new users onto your Apple Card account. So like, you know, your spouse, your kids, etc. And if 
If each of those users spends $25 in their first 30 days, you will receive $25 daily cash back. So they're, they're pushing for some interesting stuff here. Um, some folks will poo-poo uh, some reasonable things, like it's kind of weird that it's tied to a credit card, which I don't think is unreasonable as a starting point. Um, it doesn't have a web presence. So you can't log into it um, elsewhere. People are like, oh, what if I switch phones? Well, ACH transfers exist, and you can. <laughs> it has a legit account number. It has a legit routing number. So uh, oh, the thing that will- you would do in the U.S. Is, is you can pull from it or push to it if you want. It was incredibly easy. One of the first things I did was transferred a, a fairly big chunk of money from one of my other accounts that that was making still like 0.1%, you know, at one of these giant banks. I moved a bunch over into into this account, and it was really easy. I mean, it took 10 seconds and took maybe a day before it cleared, and and it was there earning much higher interest. Cool. No brainer. Do you, have to be, do you have to be a citizen of the United States to open one of these accounts? Like. I don't know if you have to be a citizen. I mean, presumably you have to have an account at, an, at a U.S. bank. Yeah, for sure. That's what I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have to be a citizen. So I believe yeah. California state law would require that they have a resident alien, so green card folks should oh, okay. be able to get it. So it wouldn't be strictly mm. citizen, but you would have to. Well, be that's what I mean. Like, like you have to a person of I the U.S. I couldn't go on a vacation. I couldn't go down to Cupertino next week and open a bank account. Is what I'm saying. And then get one of these cards. Doubtful. Well, my Apple ID Doubtful. Is working. U.S. You'd be right. non-citizen, non-resident of the U.S. Yeah, I'd be an alien. Not a lawyer. <laughs> not you know. Not a migration <laughs> expert. You know. Go go check for that. But I got you. money in my account. Yeah, you got to let me into the country. All right. So here, let's 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 play a little game. This is called WWDC Bingo Card. We need to fill out our bingo card. What are we gonna see on Monday in either the keynote or the or the State of the Union? Like, what are your predictions? I mean, the free square in the middle is gonna be more emojis. Oh, I thought the free square was "Good morning" from Tim Cook. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that could be that could be one too. Uh, we we can't you know we can't oh, we'll wait see, to see we'll what see, you do. Uh, we we. We're excited to uh, to see what you do with this. Well, no, thing I don't. Somewhere. I don't mean. That. I mean technology. Like we're, we yeah, know yeah, we're yeah. going to see Craig Federighi running running somewhere or something. We're transporting somehow, right? Um, we'll go down into the into the vault with the guy who who builds the logic boards and stuff, right? Um, but did, I mean, like, did they ever do of, the the blood ox uh, in the in the Apple Watch? Did that ever happen? Yes, bl- blood ox. Yes, but not. Um, not blood sugar or other things that people have been hoping for. Yeah. Uh, well, blood diabetes. sugar, yeah, I think you have to actually puncture the skin for that, right? So yeah, they're not going to do that on an Apple Watch. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Well, are, are we going to see an improvement to the Ultra? Are we going to see a new a phone that, or watch that approaches the Ultra look, perhaps? At DubDub, I don't think those kind of devices will make their appearance. They might do like a, um, a here's like a cheaper watch right yeah. um sort of thing with the the premium you know new hotness around the time of uh, september to october will be you know new iphone new ipad pro i think is due mm. um if they announce something like a mac pro it probably isn't actually available to till the mm-hmm. fall so i think here in terms of devices man i hem and haul because it's been so many years we've said this I think they will have the the premier 
of the headset. So there's been a lot of rumor mill. Uh, the Kremlinology of the invitation says code new worlds, which could be AR kit. Uh, we're right. at three or four or 5.0, whatever version would be on. Uh, it could also be like, yep, here's the, the developer edition or prototype or whatever. Uh, we're announcing it here because right now we're submitting to the, um, it's the electronics regulation industry. It's on the back of the phone. Right? I triple uh, I triple E. No, no, no. The the one that says, oh, they don't physically put it on the phones anymore. Mark, you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Underwriter Limited? UL? listening yes yes yeah Yeah. um so now it's like all right here you go here's the specs for like how much power it's going to pull from the wall and etc so like the stuff that they wouldn't want to you know submit all the the regulatory type documents and listings um and i think similar to to iphone it's like hey here's the announcement and it will be available in the fall except for possibly these uh these developer kits like the way they were going to do for the apple tv so, so this right. this raises an interesting question. Then, so the last couple of hardware things that Apple has put out were the Apple Watch and the and the TV, and and I'm not even counting the home the the uh, HomePod uh, because that didn't have any developer kit. But you know, the watch and the TV they were launched with some hype about developerness, and they never really caught on. Right? Um, do we think that? the headset will catch on as a developer platform. Well, that's what the whole XROS is supposedly. Supposedly, right. right. But do we think, but do we think from, so, okay. So Apple kind of can't these days, I I don't think they can put out a new platform like this without some kind of developer support. They just kind of have to, right. It's, it's, it's expected and it would be conspicuous in its absence, but like if they had put out the phone and there was no way to develop on the phone, sorry, not the phone, sorry, the watch. If they had put out the watch and there was no way to develop on the watch, people would have complained left and right. But like we were saying earlier, who's actually doing development on the watch these days? So so Apple has to put out some kind of kit. But do we think that, other than an initial spike of of novelty interest, do we think it'll catch on as a developer device? It's sort of hard to be like an indie developer developing AR or VR stuff mm-hmm. seems like it's yeah, hard. What's the, what's it's very the hard. App? What's the point? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very hard. And the reason the the iPhone took off obviously was because everyone could just write their own little app. But I, I wonder. Well, they do have Reality Kit. I did an article when I was at Apple on on that, which is basically it's like you can send in a 3D object and then you can animate it. Yeah, and then create an experience like the like you know the the that's what they do with those invitations sure. where you hold your or they like you want to see what the the next device looks like on your desk. It, yes, AR. They they do it. have it. They do have it, and people are doing it. You know, my previous company we had an AR app. Um, a bunch of my former colleagues from my company spun off their own AR company to do a new AR app. People are doing it, but I but I think there's not a lot of people doing it. I think a lot of people will play with it. Like there won't be a whole Paul Hudson book on, on this, right? Exactly. It's yeah. not mainstream, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Sorry, so Paul. they certainly have to have, you know. So, like, like IKEA had that nice demo, AR demo. They need to Apple yes, needs to have a developer right. kit for companies like that who are going to invest in that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. is it something that the average everyday developer cares about? I guess. I guess. What is the average everyday developer anymore? That's actually a, a, another question, but maybe a question for another mm-hmm. day. I think there's probably a couple different ways I could approach this. So I see a path forward from a technology standpoint to 
lower the floor and make it easier for the you know student type developer to do something cool and the indie studios to do something really awesome and of course the triple a type development shops to do incredible stuff depends on a bunch of things from a technology standpoint but you've got scene kit you've got ar kit if you are willing to broach the topic of uh generative fill like adobe firefly etc and in fact maybe even push that over to adobe be like oh look adobe we've partnered with you um I've got this interesting little Hot Wheels car type thing. Can you fill a racetrack for me in, uh, you know, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse style? Um, make that the style of Super Mario. Make it the style of, you know, Fast and the Furious, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? So that people are doing uh, Star Trek The Next Generation asking the holodeck to create a table. No, no, a little bit wider. No, no, made out of metal instead of wood. That sort of thing. Hmm instead of directly programming from a addressing the will developers care. I think Apple TV, sorry, TV OS and watch OS. There were some pretty critical business mistakes that Apple made that I don't fully understand. So from a business perspective for no known reason that I'm aware of, Apple said you can't charge for watch apps because Mm. Why? Why they should you be paid for your work? Right. <laughs> was, it has was, to be Apple to an iPhone app. Yeah. 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 It has to be a free, very expensive feature add to your iPhone app. You can't sell a watch app. You can't unlock even the standalone one. ones. Even the standalone apps. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Like I'm sure. I'm sure. Full faith and credit to somebody somewhere at Apple had a really good thought as to how that was going to work, but. They missed, right? They whiffed really bad on that. And the consequence is there aren't really major apps of consequence that are not from Apple. That's not to mean that there aren't good ones. Uh, People do make some brilliant ones, but it's like, oh, good. There's like a community of 20 people who make some interesting apps. And beyond that, the millions of developers are completely uninterested in uh, in watchOS because you can't make money, right? The other one is... TVOS, where this one was a little little less bad, I do think that Apple got hit by the fact that maybe TVs aren't the place for apps, right? It's for it's really for content. It's for watching Ted Lasso. It's for watching Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It's for watching whatever Max is calling itself today. <laughs> um, <laughs> from a actual apps you could have built on there, not talking about productivity, but switching into games, I think they really made a terrible business decision by not offering a way to say you can require an actual controller like a nintendo xbox playstation type controller for these i think they tried so hard to make oh no no you can just use the siri remote for every game it's like well cool like rossi road is great halo is not going to be try to play tears of the kingdom on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you just said like, hey, this entire huge class of games can never be a success because it's just absolutely not worth your time. Yeah. Uh, th- that's and one of those things that I don't understand. They were purely business mistakes. They had nothing to do with technology. They had nothing to do with, oh man, like the, you know, the state of the world just wasn't, it was just Apple doing something weird, hopefully for good reasons, but it, it just didn't work out. And to this day, there is no web interface on tvOS. Still, you can't, there's no hmm. concept, there's no browser on tvOS. Uh, there's no, you can't put a web view in your tvOS app. Still. Yeah, it, that's a weird, that's a weird, a weird thing. One. It's a weird thing. So I, 
I think from a, a sort of, I can't predict what Apple will do, Mark, but I think if Apple is like, oh yeah, you can't charge for XROS because it's tied to your iPhone, it's like right. they'll just, <laughs> they just carpet bombed the entire industry and said, yep, complete waste of your time unless you're a very small handful of niche folks. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully they will say you can absolutely charge. You know what? You want to charge $1,000 for your awesome app or game? Go for it. Up to you. You want to make it freemium and uh, it, it's, a, it's a horrific nightmare of, of casino and, and um, uh, uh, loot boxes and et cetera? Go for it. Like I think letting it actually be open and let the, the best practices win, let the best models win would be better, I think, than than the the squelching of opportunity that they did with tvOS and watchOS yeah well this this uh, headset and this uh, AR VR technology is going to be Tim Cook's legacy right like like do we do, do we credit him with the watch well you know, you know Tim well, it's in the eye of the beholder he is the the least successful <laughs> multi-trillion dollar market cap CEO yeah. that anyone has, has ever Tim, encountered. Tim Cook's legacy is is a trillion dollar market cap that Apple had at one point, okay. right? Not any given product. Tim Cook was never they a product guy. He's an operations guy. I'm not sure what it is today. I don't think it's a trillion dollars anymore. Although NVIDIA uh, Google says it's 2.79 trillion market cap. Is oh, that right? Apple, really? Oh, it went yeah, because okay. in, NVIDIA is just about. They just did. NVIDIA just did crack the trillion. Because, well, um, okay, even more so. Then it's a three three trillion dollar market cap for Tim Cook. He can take a lot of credit for that. Oh, yeah, you're right. Microsoft wow. at two point four four trillion. Look at that! Wow, wow. Alphabet at one point five six trillion. Oh, NVIDIA slid down. NVIDIA is no longer in the. Uh, what is it? Three comma, how's, what, uh, four how's the IT guy market cap doing? <laughs> About the same as Mapsoft. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I had somebody actually say he wanted to buy the company the other day. I'm like, are you kidding? And he, he said, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have asked him how much he would offer. You know, just a Glenn Howard just occurred to me uh, yeah. is that this is the 10-year anniversary of Swift. It's also, are we 20, our own 10-year anniversary, or we're nine? 2014? It was 2014. Yeah, that we started. Yeah, yeah, we've started. Swift came out out 2014 as well, Mark. Right, right. Right. And what's even more scary to think about, for me at least, is that the the approximate lifespan of Objective-C on the iPhone was about five years, and Swift has been around 10 years. Five years for? Oh, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, Objective C was around for a long time before that, but the iPhone came out in yeah. roughly 2009, right? Yeah. Well, Jaime's always predicted 10 year life cycle. That's kind of how, yeah. we, how he, 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 he and I met, right? Yeah. Well, 10 year cycle. That's when, like, what is it? This next thing. This kind of, we're back in the show, I guess, but this, this kind of is reflected in the fact that, you know, we have these WTCs every year. And, and I've been noticing this for the couple, past couple of years is that yeah. it's not that exciting anymore you know it's yeah it's, it's a just, job like you said the other day right well i'm talking about wdc but but yeah but ios yeah. development in general yeah but yeah wdc it's just a it's just another iteration it's just an evolution there's nothing really yeah magic well we'll see about the uh about the uh headset but yeah but back remember back in the days we'd all just pour over those videos of just how to how to do a scroll view right Remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those days are long gone. You never see that kind yeah. of stuff anymore. Yeah. I think we Kinda need that, that next cycle. The, yeah. the web had a, a couple of them. Mobile smacked in to there. 
um, lots of money thrown at mobile. Mobile was a thing you could directly charge for. Um, we thought it was wearables, watches. It's not. We thought it nope. could it be TV stuff. No, it's nope. not. Um, is it going to be a headset to be seen? You know, TBD. Give it a while after this headset releases and see what happens. Um, the AI, or you know, since it's not Skynet, we're talking large language models um, like ChatGPT and Bard and stuff. Maybe, even though it's it's difficult to charge directly for that, and monetization is still kind of wild west. But everybody, everybody is sprinkling LLM stuff somehow into their product. So at least for now, it's a it's a big thing. It, what did it you could say LLM, large language right? models, large language yep. models, LLMs yep. like ChatGPT. Mm. That's why they choose yeah. cute names like Llama. You know. Yeah. yeah, and other things. There's again, there's so many of these things cropping up. It, it's, but to, you know, to me, I hate to say it, but it feels a lot like crypto did a year or two ago. Where yes, there is some something to it. There is some real reality to it, but it's so hyped that ninety percent of what's out there is nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I kind of yeah. feel the same way about the large language models. We'll see. It could be. It could be. The I guess the good thing is that. Unlike crypto, it doesn't really need to involve like two individuals to be useful. You know, it doesn't necessarily sure. need a network effect of like, hey, I have all this high coin. Cool. Does anybody else have any? No. Can I do it again? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right. I need at least one other person involved to to, uh, to trade with or, or do something with. Um, whereas at least these, you know, these large language models, I'm like, oh, I can. <laughs> make a recipe out of like what, what can you make uh, like iron chef styles like what can i make tonight with uh hot sauce ramen noodles <laughs> dog biscuits <laughs> you know, like uh, it's still independently useful there so um you know pretty astutely there i think he's pointed out that like there's just definitely a lot of hype here and there's a lot of people throwing dot ai onto their names you know uh machine learning onto their stuff mm-hmm. bolting in some way of like, Hey, what if, uh, what if we have a, a terrible UI, but you could just use this chat box <laughs> to ask it a, a question, um, which I think has led a lot of people say like, why can't we bolt the Amazon echo or the Google home or Siri and HomePod to this thing and just front it. I mean, they're really just translating text into voice and voice into text, right? Yeah. Now, I will be proven wrong when you when you can when you can say to ChatGPT, design for me a fully immersive 3D virtual reality system that I can run on my Apple headset <laughs> and it just works. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our picks. Uh, do you guys have any picks? I have got a bunch. I don't have any picks. I've got two, oh, one of which is, is, is okay. I'm going to donate and gift to Mark. Oh, All right, well, hang on. Before, before we get there, let us let's, let me just go through these. So I found uh, this is one that uh, has been on the on our show notes for a while. This is a list of awesome iOS books. Just waiting for it to load here. It's a Medium article and a screenshot, you know, of a lot of, a lot of things about um, uh, from Ray Wonderlake Group or from some Kodiko, I should say. Um, but yeah, he's got a list of, um, you know, books for iOS books for beginners. There's, there are some objective C books here, uh, some Swift books. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for learning materials on functional or UI or architecture, 
Uh, scroll on over to this. Uh, oh, he's going to have AR kit stuff too. Ooh. Um, oh, that's from Crystalline, which has another Rayward like one. But um, yeah, check it out if you want to find out some stuff. I'll have a link in the show notes for that one. Um, as I mentioned earlier, these I did ca- capture this link here. I don't know why I was looking for it earlier, but the the link to sign up for WWC events is open. That opened today. So if you want to get into the Slack channels to ask and uh, participate in the labs. Um, you can go ahead and uh, start registering for that stuff today. Um, and I'm just opening the link. I believe it's today until the... Yeah, because, I mean, they don't open until the till the day after. Yeah, from 6th to the 9th is when the sessions are running. But, yeah, you can you can register today using your Apple ID. Developer ID, I should say. Live near WWDC is the James Dempsey and the Breakpoints event, which is supporting women who write code or women who code. Uh, tickets for that, I'll have a link here in the show notes for buying those tickets. Uh, I think the VIP sessions are already sold out, so check that out. Uh, a non-WWC um, event here I have listed is SwiftTO is going to be in August, and I am now participating not as a speaker but as a volunteer on there, and you'll see over the next couple of weeks, I'll be doing um, one-on-one interviews with uh, some of the speakers from SwiftTO. So stay tuned for those. And I talked about the Flighty app at the top of the show, so I'll pass over to Jaime for his um, stuff. Yeah, first one here is um, InsideSticker.com. So I know you all didn't necessarily come from the Windows side of the house, but you know what we used to have on those great Windows PCs? We used to have that reliable Intel inside, wonderful, you know, bejeweled, bedazzled sticker. Uh, and then, you know, your your MacBook Pro is pretty nice and clean, but wouldn't it look, look cool with like an M1 Pro inside or an M2 Max inside on there? If you uh, if you feel like that's the thing you want to do for the low low price of uh, looks like sixteen dollars US, you too can get a sticker that you can proudly display on your your MacBook. So it's a yeah, it's a physical sticker, not a sticker that in yeah. uh, in messages. Remember those? I believe it is are a still physical around? sticker. Yeah, stickers are still around. Sticker packs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still around. That was another year of not much going on at WWDC. So we'll talk about sticker packs. Anyway, they're nineteen ninety nine Canadian for the stickers, which I suspect that's where the pricing comes from, Jaime. It's a pack of three, um, by the way. Yeah, so seven ninety nine will get you a single sticker of each one. So, and then probably there'll be shipping on top of that. So, the next one is one I uh, I'm gifting to Mark because I feel like it's going to be his jam here. So, this is the ARM manga guide to the Mali (laughs) GPU. So. I have if, no uh, idea what this if, is. If, if you know, Mark can use his uh, not not now, not at the, you know, off the cuff. But he can use his you know, his his knowledge to, to to face off against Doctor Arm, the mobile GPU expert uh, mm. character in this. <laughs> they kind of explain you know through the visual art style, Japanese manga art style of like here's how GPUs work, and, and more specifically, the Mali or Mali GPU. From ARM. Oh, that's cool. I'm reading it. It's basically like a power station. <laughs> <laughs> and then the master vertex shaders and master fragment shaders, there's like a conveyor belt between them. Hmm. If you don't believe me, there you, you can take a look at this. It's uh, it's kind of interesting. It's cute as a way uh, to make an analogy to, uh, to explain this you know, technical concept. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week and another WWDC until next week when we will do our after the keynote episode. 
Um, if people want to get in touch with you, Jaime, how would they do that? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you? Mark R at Snapsoft.com. Well, they can send you a cursive letter, right? Yeah. Pony Express. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name, as usual, is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine and on the uh, Mastodon. Nobody sent me an invite to, uh, what's the new one, Blue Sky? I haven't got one yet, so, you know, if you feel the love, send it over. Um, yeah, until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on Patreon. So have you guys caught up on the Ted Lasso finale? Thanks again for listening. I haven't watched this season at all. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you can can binge down all the episodes available on Ted. You know what I did? I did do for that is uh, uh, Succession. I just finished that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually did you watch it from the beginning, or had you been watching it? I, well, the previous seasons I watched in the past, but this season I timed it perfectly. So I I binged it, you know, watching a couple of episodes a night until uh, I was the I was just at the finale, and I I finished like the episode before the day before the finale. So it was perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm now I'm binging uh, Yellow Jackets. I have two episodes left of Yellow Jackets. Yeah, I watched that one. Yeah, don't say, don't spoil that because uh, that one's not done. No, I haven't seen Succession, so I'll, I'll I'll trade you for Yellow Jackets. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. I just I just finished watching the finale of Yellow Jackets the other day. So okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good one. That's an interesting one too. And then I've been watching the White House Plumbers. My oh, my, I haven't watched that. My, my dad has binged the uh, when when the White House or sorry when the Watergate hearings were on. My dad, that's all he watched, and used to drive mm. us crazy. I hated it, right? But so I kind of know all the players because you know it was kind of drilled into our all that was on on TV for the longest time, right? And um, yeah, so now I'm getting to see the sort of the the story behind it. Um, so it's kind of it's interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I went and saw the BlackBerry movie a couple of weekends ago. So it's the the story about uh, Jim Lazaridis and um, Balsilli, the people that uh, started BlackBerry here in Waterloo, yeah. so, and all about the the technology. And I spoke to one of my friends who used to work there, and he sort of said, "Well, they took a little bit of license with the of course, yeah, the story, but mm-hmm. yeah, but it's entertaining. It's entertaining. It definitely, yeah. The guy who plays uh, Jim Balsilli." Is unrecognizable. He's one of the one of the actors from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, uh, which actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The blonde, the blonde one, right? Okay. I don't. I don't really. Uh, know Dennis, I, the the brother. Dennis, yeah. You know, there's yeah, brother yeah. and sister, uh, Dennis and D. Yeah. Oh, there was brother and sister. Those two. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's uh, yeah. There's the three. Is it three three people that own the thing, and then she showed up and. And they got Danny DeVito for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, yeah Danny DeVito just kind of showed up out of nowhere. But it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, was yeah. Den- is yeah. Dennis the same one who was in uh, Myth, uh, Mythic Quest? Or was that no, a different um, guy? Have you seen um, guy? 
Oh man, he plays a high school teacher who doesn't care. What's the name of that show? Um, AP Bio, I think. You seen that? uh, Like on who? I've seen that one. Anyway, yeah. What's it called? Um, AP Bio. I think I think the the show is called AP Bio. That's the actor. Was that like a community kind of thing? Uh, Yeah, I I could see it being kind of like that. It's on Peacock. Oh, Peacock. Before I forget, it looks like BlackBerry has really good. Uh, ratings on Rotten Tomato, it's 98% and 92% uh, yeah, it's critics and audience. Very entertaining. Hmm. Yeah, they got they got smacked on the side of the head when the iPhone came out. <laughs> Surprisingly. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you remember, but the iPhone didn't really take off in the first year or oh, so. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. I remember a lot of people were, were like, oh, no, no physical keyboard. I'll never yeah. use it. I'll never give up my BlackBerry. And guess yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ten years later, well, where are we? I'll be honest, I, I think probably, probably for like a month or two, I had an iPhone and the BlackBerry. And yeah, it, I was like, you know, really struggling to say, okay, I'm going to stop using the BlackBerry, right? Because yeah, the keyboard was, I mean, the worst part about the keyboard is if you, if you were driving, you could type, right? Mm. You know, because you could just have it in one hand and just be typing. And yeah, it was horrible, like super accident prone, right? You know, just a like Glenn Howard. Yep. Tim, this is coming up in two weeks. We're just talking about Mark. Sorry, say it again. The Cure is coming up in two weeks. Oh, concert? Yeah. Yeah, the band. The yeah. Cure. yeah. I'm going to see Ringo in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. That'll be fun. Who's who's he got with him? Uh, Lucather still. Um, yeah. He's got the guy from Men at Work still. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Um, he doesn't have uh, Greg Raleigh anymore, the guy from Santana, which is too bad because mm. that was, they did that pretty well, those, those Santana songs. Uh, I'm not sure who else. I'll have to look it up. Hmm. What were you going to say, Jaime? Swift T.O. or Swift 2? How is that conference pronounced? T.O. T.O. Swift Toronto? Yeah, would... That's like... Yeah. What was... There was... You don't say T.Dot. Yeah. There was another T-O. Canadian conference that had a T.O. in it, right? But, uh, uh... Same one. Oh, is that the same one? Okay. Oh, no. We used to have Venice North. Yeah, Venice North. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. But it was only one. They, they only did one in Toronto. They hmm. mostly were in... Um... Ottawa. Mm-hmm. They did, the last one they did was in Montreal. But mm-hmm. Claire, are you gonna say, honey, Swift Yo? Um, starts in a few months, right? It looks like their website says August tenth yeah. and eleventh at you the. Get ticket yet, Jaime? No, I won't. I won't uh, be attending. I've actually got <sighs> other preparations leading into oh. the the end of the month of August that I have to, oh. uh, to do. So secret as stuff? much as much as we'll be uh, nothing secret it's um fintech devcon is coming up uh, at yeah. the end of august i thought, um, I thought that's you were getting something... married or something I mean, I know, no, <laughs> no uh nothing nothing like that more like chihuahua yeah you know and, and it's not like i'm even presenting or anything but uh the old jobby job there's a fair number of us that are going to be in attendance so there's a lot of planning that goes even to just that and how do we make as uh, as big of a show and big of a statement as possible, given we're not even going to have any, you know, mm-hmm. exhibitors booth. Right. A lot of, a lot of stuff behind the scenes that goes into that. So it was just really rough timing for, um, for Swift TO. looks like we got a pretty good set of speakers coming up too. A lot of folks are recognized. Yeah. They got some big, uh, big heavy hitters too, but I just kind of got volunteered into, I offered to, to, since I was looking for some airtime, I was looking for, you know, some, some people that show up on our show. So, um, I volunteered to, I offered to interview the, um, the speakers as, you know, sort of a way to raise attention about the show, about the conference. And, um, 
Yeah, now I'm now I'm involved in it. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, you should join our thing and you can volunteer and maybe do some MCing and whatever. I'm like, okay, sure. They didn't pick my talk, which is I'm still a little misinterpreted. <laughs> but this is a consolation yeah, prize. Yeah. You get to be the MC. I don't. Well, I don't even remember what talk I put in. I was, I did three. I think I think I had three or four different subjects that I was putting into conferences. But yeah, it's kind of like it's one of these things where I think you know, I don't know. I don't think want graybeards talking at their conferences these days anymore, Mark. Mm. <laughs> Although Not Daniel, Daniel a, Steinberg is you're you're older than me, he's speaking. It's a murderer's row here. So Daniel Steinberg, Guillermo Rambo, Chris Ida, Summer Penang, uh who else have I got here? Uh it's more TBA. It's just like, whoa, that is 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 it a multi track conference or single track uh, over the two days? No, it's single. Single. Yeah, so that, that just reduces your your yeah, possibilities, yeah. right? Like yeah. you know, it's probably like 16 talks all in at most looking yeah. at a schedule of like morning talks don't start until 9 45 you have a lunch break you have afternoon talks the conference parties at four o'clock i'm like eh, i can do the math it's like yeah eight on the first day eight on the second day keynotes keynotes etc like that eh, was a tough one yeah frank corville talked last time so i spoke at this conference in 2019 so frank was there as well and then terry La- terry lanaville he's another toronto uh, developer so um and that um isn't that um I don't know how to say her Yuin Yuin is that somebody you knew? Hi, we used to work at uh, at Jack Henry, so yes. Yeah, so you know each other, yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, and I'm I'm scheduled to talk to Daniela and Summer next for the show. So that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. Coolio. Yeah, Tim, you know what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to convince people to make a DevRelcon in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, the whole idea of the Canadian perspective and, you know, helping people through podcasting, through you know, YouTube and all these other wonderful, you know, Ray Winderlich, uh, Kodako, all these wonderful things you've been doing over the years. Seems like it would be a pretty good, uh, pretty good match for you. So. Mm-hmm. I also think that Toronto is a pretty interesting choice for that sort of thing, because there this year is no North American DevRelCon. Uh, for a small registration fee of ninety nine ninety nine ninety five, you can you can be a member. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, it just sounded like you were selling something. <laughs> oh. to, to no, it was just more like <laughs> you're you waiting for the pitch. Were yeah. You? yeah. Well, I, I fell asleep already. Yeah, I see. Okay. <laughs> it's it's just kind of funny because you know I, I went earlier this year to the one in Japan. Uh, I will not be able to make it to the one in London, um, even though I, I would love to. Um, and having one in North America, uh, by being selfish, you know, realistically, San Francisco, Silicon Valley would be ideal um, mm-hmm. since that's not happening. Like, Hmm, you know, where else is a great place Tirana, because everybody who can't make it into the United States can absolutely make it into Canada. And it's super easy for Americans to go. So it just feels like the market opportunity. Do you need a passport to go to Canada these days? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need a. I think you need. You probably can get through with your. Yeah, I think you need a passport. Yeah, I don't have a passport anymore. It expired. I've never renewed it. I think it expired yeah. during the pandemic, so I never renewed it. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, you no, know, that's right. You do need. My boss hasn't been to my office yet because mm. he's uh, his passport expired. Same same deal. He yeah, that was a big long waiting list and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you look, if you scroll down to the sponsors, you'll see that MTJC is there primarily because I'm donating my time for the mm. interviews. So that's some some love we're getting from that. Sweet, yeah. 
So I was resurrecting my, uh, while we're talking, I was trying to get uh, my little Mac behind me running. I was going to get After Dark running on it, but yeah, mm. try and get a, try and, I can find an image of a, of a floppy disk online, but try and get that onto a, an actual physical disk, <laughs> you know? Because the old uh, the old Macs they don't talk uh, they don't talk uh, SMB or TCP/IP even they talk local talk and Apple talk remember those things mm. Mm. I can't even put it on the network right so I mean I can't put it on the network do they but... have inter- uh, Ethernet they might have Ethernet I mean I've got I have Ethernet cards for these old guys but yeah. the thing is like what I'm, what I'm saying is like the problem is they talk Apple talk not uh, and the the new Macs don't t- don't have Apple talk stacks anymore. right right. Right, which is the problem. So, I just I just installed Mac OS nine onto the G four that sits behind me. <laughs> Surely there must be some vendor, unlike Alibaba, who has. Well, a, I, ha- like, I have a floppy disk. I have a USB floppy disk. I well, can, I, can I was going to say, like, disk. surely somebody has like a small little chip that replicates using Apple Talk. You know, as if you were talking from oh, one device to yeah. another back in the mm-hmm. olden days, which is actually a Wi-Fi enabled chip. It's like Arduino or something or, or Raspberry Pi that can talk to your stuff. Neatly. You know, I bought a bunch of these little, little little logic boards that are SCSI, right? And then you, instead of putting um, a physical hard drive in, you put an SD drive in, right? Because I can get SD disks all over the place, right? And so you, you you can basically plug that into your SD slot on your Mac dump some data onto it and then you can plug it into the mac as if it's a scuzzy device right so i could actually replace the internal hard drive with an sd drive so i bought a couple of those i have i think i have an ide one and i have uh, a couple of scuzzy ones because yeah those boards are and they're getting scarce right if you don't buy them now you're never going to see them again right the old retro max was i looking for we were talking about mtgc well what i was thinking of is your hopefully aware of the Street Fighter video game, you know, the arcade game, the fighting game series, right? So there was Street Fighter, the movie starring, you know, Van Damme and Raul Julia. But then they also made an arcade game based on that. So there was Street Fighter, the movie, the game. What I'm proposing here is more than just code, the book, the podcast. (laughs) That was a nice way to just, you know, take credit for whoever doing the book. Yeah. So and, here, and then we can make a chapter. movie out of it too, right? The, it could be the, the book, the podcast, the movie, or whatever. Well, yeah, we could, like, like like the BlackBerry. We could, you know, you know, I've got, I'm losing my hair, so we could do like I could be like the Basili character. Anyway, um, so hi, Mark. Here is the Chat GPT description of our podcast. Okay. More than just code, podcast is the perfect source for iOS and Swift developers looking to stay up to date on the latest news and trends in the field. With helpful advice from experienced developers, it's the perfect way to stay informed and inspired. Nice. <laughs> so I took the crap that I wrote on there years ago and put that on our website. <laughs> cool. Yep. So it says, each week, Jaime Lopez, Mark Rubin, and sometimes Greg Hill and Tammy Coron, and myself, Tim Mitra, will convene to, from across the continent to discuss iOS and Mac development. I wrote that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Feed burner. Holy cow, how old is feed burner? Is it still around? Mm. So they were pretty pretty early in the podcasting analytics and game, so Yeah. I have a link to my to our podcast on Feedburner, but I don't even know if they exist. That used to be Google or something, right? Yeah. Feedburner.google.com is what happens when I go there. Is it feedburner.com? Oh here we go. Oh you know what we didn't talk about. Have you guys done the uh, have you made a passcode for yourself in Safari, like a passkey? I haven't yet, no. I have not. Oh. I have. I did. It, I did it almost immediately. Oh, yeah. right. Do, do yeah. we say our goodbyes? We actually say that. Oh yeah. 
See you, see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.